So my last episodes were Peter Drucker on leadership and Peter Drucker on management. In this, I want to talk about uh, just quotes that didn't really fit into leadership or management, but Peter Drucker on the humorous and profound. It's going to be great. Stay tuned. In a world of incompetent bosses, micromanagers, and petty tyrants, one management professor claims that he can help you become the kind of leader that you would want to follow. You are listening to The Leadersmith. Now, here is your host, Darren Gertis. Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to address humorous and profound quotes from Peter Drucker. Just as a recap, Drucker wrote the book on management. He was the guru that created the term management and gave us most most of the vocabulary about management. Wrote 39 books over his career. And uh, I, I talked about leadership already uh, two episodes ago. I talked about management in the last episode. In this episode, I want to talk about just quotes that didn't really fit either of those categories. Many of them were humorous. Most of them were profound. And here we go. So the first one is great wisdom, not applied to action and behavior is meaningless data, right? You can have all the greatest thoughts possible. You can understand how the world works, but if you don't do something with it, if you don't take action, it's meaningless data. It's lost. Number two, when a subject becomes totally obsolete, we make it a required course. (laughs) I I love the way that that's phrased. Now, Drucker was also, uh, I believe, at the Claremont Institute. I I, I could be wrong about that, but he was also a professor later on in his life. And uh, the idea that, well, as soon as the, the uh, subject is totally obsolete. We make it a required course. I've seen that. Like some of the things that we teach, we should upgrade. Uh, so I understand. And I just found that funny. Okay. Success always obsoletes the very behavior that it, that achieved it. Now that that's really interesting as, as well, because what we do is what we know works because we've done it before. Um, but then by the time we have mastered that it's obsolete and we should be onto something else more often than not in many fields. That is very true. Okay. Next, do not measure your, your life by your goals, but by what you are doing to achieve them. So Goals are great. It's not bad to have uh, objectives. Drucker was the the force behind management by objectives. So he's not going to say don't have objectives, but it's not about the objectives themselves. It's how you meet the objectives. It's getting the objectives met. That's where the action is. And if you confuse that, you're, you're going to have problems. Next, the best way to predict the future is to create it. Love that quote. And I've heard it in a number of contexts uh, by others who have said something similar to that, Winston Churchill and others. But that's right. If you instead of sitting around trying to predict it, try to actually make that prediction happen. Try to make it work and be the one that makes that work. Okay, next. So much of what we call management consists in making it difficult for people to work. Now, I used that in the last one because it was just about management, but this is about wit and uh, humor as well as it is about uh, just aha ideas. And it's so valuable. So much of what we can call management consists in making it difficult for people to work. That's right. I mean, think about all the impediments that bosses put in the way. And I I, I veered out on this in the last episode, but I want to do it again. we talk about like what happened during COVID. People went to work at home and guess what? It turns out that they were more productive when they didn't have uh, other impediments uh, dragging them down at work. I mean, extra meetings or, or extra things that were placed on them by demands of people that were just trying to justify their existence. 
The next one, my greatest strength as a consultant is to be ignorant and to ask a few questions. I've heard that from a number of really good consultants. Look, I mean, what really works, and this is from folks like Marshall Goldsmith, premier consultant, uh, all the way to just people that I, just run-of-the-mill consultants that I happen to rub shoulders with. I, you know, when they say, uh, well, I really don't know a lot. I just ask a lot of questions and ignorance is good because it helps me understand what my client needs because they know what they need and then I just kind of guide them. So it, you don't have to have all the answers, but if you listen really well, um, you'll get where you need to go. Okay, next, the most important thing in communication is hearing what isn't said. Uh, that's insightful because sometimes what's said is only is steering you a particular direction and what isn't said is really where the action is. Example of that, um, you know, how, how was this person as an employee? Well, this person worked for us from 2004 to 2007, and uh, and uh, they rose from uh, supervisor to manager. Okay, so but you didn't tell us anything about how they were, that they were a good or bad manager, and if you if they really were a good manager, you would have been like, look, this person was a greatest manager. We, we absolutely hated to lose them. But what wasn't said in that first scenario was anything about their quality. So listen for what isn't said, because when something's left out that shouldn't be left out, that's usually a sign that something's not right. Okay. Uh, plans are only good intentions unless they immediately de degenerate into hard work. And I cover that one as well in the last one, but it's just such a great quote. Plans are only good intentions unless they immediately degenerate into hard work. You can have the greatest plans and greatest strategy and everything on paper, but unless you actually do it, unless you take action, unless you execute, it doesn't really matter at all. Okay, next, the people who don't take risks generally make about two mistakes a year. People who do take risks generally make about two mistakes a year. <laughs> Again, I just love uh, Drucker's sense of humor. and He's right. I mean, the, those that take risks, they are taking calculated risks and they're thinking through it and they're going to make mistakes. But then people who don't take risks also make mistakes as well. Now, it might not be the same size mistake, but the same size of, re they're not getting the same size of reward either. So, um, on balance, it washes out. The point is, take risks, do more, grow. Okay. <laughs> All right, next. The computer is a moron. <laughs> I, I like that quote because it's true. Gar you know, the old phrase, garbage in, garbage out. There's something very right about that. Uh, so the computer is a moron. It's, it's just doing whatever you have commanded it to do. It's not thinking for itself. Now, AI is is changing that and, and helping us to, to get, get more. But uh, he's writing in a 19... I don't know, 70s, 80s, 90s kind of context maybe. Uh, and the computer was still kind of a moron at that point. It's it's just doing, it's not thinking like a human being. It's just uh, you know executing commands, not thinking for itself. Next one, there is only one ethics, one set of rules of morality, one code, that of individual behavior in which the same rules apply to everyone alike. I really like that, and that that goes along with uh, John Maxwell's book. There's there is no such thing as business ethics. Like somehow we convince ourselves, well, you know, well, it's just business. It's nothing personal. It doesn't matter. 
ethics is ethics and you stand before God on your own, uh, you'll be judged by him as an individual. So whatever applies to you as an individual applies to the business, applies to everywhere, right? Uh, there, you can't confuse and say, well, this is just business, you know, and somehow doing the things that you wouldn't want done to you are somehow okay in a different context. No, that same golden rule applies to you as it does everybody in your organization. Okay, next, quality in a product or service is not what the supplier puts in. It is what the customer gets out and is willing to pay for. A product is not quality because it's hard to make and cost a lot of money, as its manufacturers typically believe. This is incompetence. Customers pay only for what is of use to them and gives them value. Nothing else constitutes quality. I love the way that he reframed that because we have almost a Marxian view of um how we think about what is quality where you know we think about how much input goes in well that must be quality no you can have quality from very little input if it's done if it's meeting what the customer actually wants and so who defines quality the customer just like the purpose of a business we covered in the last one purpose of a business is to create a customer okay that's all that's that's it so what does the customer actually want and how did they define quality give them that that's what they consider quality <laughs> and i love the way he says you know if you put in more that's just incompetence <laughs> you you have to be efficient that's that's the goal here is to be efficient Okay, I got to move on. Brilliant men are often strikingly ineffectual. They fail to realize that the brilliant insight it is not by itself achievement. They have never learned that insights become effectiveness only through hard systematic work. Okay, that's and that's true. There are plenty of brilliant people that have great ideas that have never actually executed and by not executing, they're not actually getting the work done. It, it's it's they have to execute otherwise their brilliance goes to waste okay next people in any organization including bureaucrats and politicians are always attached to the obsolete the obsolescent the things that should have worked but didn't the things that once were productive and no longer are and I see this all the time. In fact, you know, I, I teach a, a leading change class, a leading organizational change and transformation. And uh, we, we have these conversations about what's working or not working in my students' organizations. This is an MBA course. And, you know, well, you know, the people that designed the system are, are running it and they don't want to change. Well, of course not. Of course they don't want to change. They designed the system. They're the last people who want to change it because they're beholden to that system. Very often, if you want to change the system, you have to change those people out before the system is going to change. Um, so that's that's just the way that it works. Next, the aim of marketing is to know and understand the customer so well, the product or service fits him and sells itself. So if you have to do a lot of, you know, really persuading about the, the product, that's probably a sign that the product is not good enough. You don't know your customer well enough to design the product so well that the customer is going, wow, I need that. I see it. I get it. I want it. Um, so you haven't done your homework on the front end, uh, according to Drucker here, that he just wants that product because he sees the value. So get to know your customer. Right? And you see this as a theme again and again. The critical question is not, how can I achieve, but what can I contribute? And we talked about something similar to that in a uh, in, a, in the leadership episode. Uh, yeah, stop thinking achievement. 
just start thinking con contribution. Uh, I'm not achieving by putting this episode together. I'm contributing. And hopefully something of value here is is keeping you listening and will give you more and more data so that you can make better decisions and be the leader that you want to follow. I am not achieving anything in that. I'm contributing. And when you have a contributing mindset, you just act differently. It's not about me. It's about us or you or how can I help you? It's not about what I'm doing for me. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Now, this is really profound. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. Now, if you read a lot of business books, you'll hear this or read this quote uh, quite a bit. Uh, the reason that it's so powerful is because it's, it's right. Um, culture it consists of the values that people bring to the organization. So uh, if you have different people, you have different culture. Um, strategy is just, you know, what's on paper, what they put together. Hey, this is how we're going to operate. But the culture will override that unless you're careful. So you need to make sure that your culture is what it should be far more than you need to make sure that the strategy is perfect. All right, next, meetings are a symptom of bad organization. The fewer meetings, the better. Now, I love the sound of that, but I know organizations that they just love taking up meetings and uh, the time spent on meetings, when you calculate how much time the people in the room, this, the amount of time spent the salaries of the people in the room, it can be extremely costly. Some people, the higher they go, they're in meetings after meetings after meetings after meetings just all day long. Um, and they can't do the productive activities that they should be doing if they're in meetings. Now, meetings play an important, necessary, coordinating function, but you can overdo meetings just like you can underdo them. So that you have to find that optimal place and it's probably fewer meetings. Okay, next, meetings are, by definition, a concession to a deficient organization. For one either meets or one works. One cannot do both at the same time. And that's kind of what I just said. Uh, but yeah, that's <laughs> there's, there's something very right about that. You can't do both at the same time. Next, you can either take action or you can hang back and hope for a miracle. Miracles are great, but they are so unpredictable. <laughs> So again, uh, you know, you can, you have to work, you have to execute, you have to take action. You can't just wait and hope and cross your fingers and expect something great to happen. You have to work. Yeah, you just simply have to work. Okay, next, there are two types of people in the business community, those who produce results and those who give you reasons why they didn't. And I found that to be very true. There are people that just go out and make it happen and they don't talk a lot about it. And then there are people who just whine and complain and all the time they're talking about, oh, I couldn't do it because of this. And oh, it's the economy and oh, it's COVID and it's, oh, it's my boss. And, and you know, you can either spend time talking, talking to your prospects, getting them, getting the work done, executing, making it happen, or you can talk about why you didn't do it. And I, I've never known anybody to who made a lot of excuses to be successful. So when I hear somebody making a lot of excuses, I'm just assuming that they're not being successful. That's just that's just my bent, my uh, predilection. It You don't have to be that way, but I've learned over time that the excuse makers are not the ones that make it happen. Okay, so I'm going to end with this one. This is just part one of Drucker's humor and wit and just interesting aha ideas. Um, and I'm going to do an, another entire session about this. So that'll be the next episode. But the last one that I'm going to cover for the day is this. We know nothing about motivation. All we can do is write books about it.
<laughs> so there's, there's something very true about that. We write plenty of books about motivation and talk about it all the time, but we really don't know a lot about it. Um, when you tell a spreadsheet, remember the computer's a moron. You tell a spreadsheet to do something, it does it. You tell a person to do something, well, why would you talk to me like that? Or I mean, they get weird reactions because we don't, people are so complicated that it's hard to actually uh, work through people uh, efficiently. So uh, we know nothing about motivation. All we can do is write books about it. <laughs> I, I just love Drucker's dry wit. Okay, so um, listen, if you liked what you heard today, uh, I'm going to put a link to these quotes on a webpage, and then you can link right to them and just grab all the, the quotes that you want if anything resonated with you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. We're going to do part two next week, so stay tuned. Mm-hmm.